Hello everyone, and welcome to Two Weirdos, One Podcast, where we talk about everything from true crime, to conspiracies, to aliens, to hauntings, and everything weird. My name is Ashley. And I'm Megan, and we're your two weirdos. What episode are we on? 26. (laughs) Okay. Hello guys, welcome back. It is episode 26. Hello, hello. We are here and we are reporting for duty. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, duty. (laughs) All right, well, um, I kind of like, I feel like I haven't done an intro in so long, even though it's been like, I don't know, two weeks. Yeah, I forgot how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got a good start. We are on episode 26. We are. Um, I don't know. It's hot here in Texas. Yeah. For so many days. We're about to get hit by two hurricanes. Yeah. Not us directly, but we'll maybe like <laughs> feel the after effects of it. Yeah. Probably Houston is going to be hit way worse. But yeah. So. That'll be fun. Oh, be yeah. different. Yeah. It was raining really hard the other morning. Yeah. Like, it woke me up. Yeah. Like I woke like up and I just acknowledged that it was raining. I was like. All right, and I rolled back over. Yeah, it was like because Frankie and I both woke up, and it was just like it felt like the rain was just like pelting the walls of the house in like swarms. Yeah. So. So our whole backyard was a mud pit. More of that this week to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a pretty interesting encounter this weekend with your neighbor. Yeah, it was Thursday night, I think. Yeah, Thursday night. Um, I got home from the gym, which was pretty late. It was probably like almost 10 o'clock at night because we stayed a little later and Mm -hmm. chit-chatted or something. I don't know. And it's just far. Yeah. (laughs) So I pull into my driveway and I notice that one of the guys who lives in my neighbor's house was, he scared the shit out of me (laughs) because it's dark (laughs) outside. It's almost 10 o'clock and I pull up and he's in like their like front kind of side yard, like kind of by like the garage and he's laying on his back one leg like tucked under the other like bent at 90 degrees he's kind of like hips his hips are kind of twisted and both of his arms are like up by his shoulders like bent like, in t-rex yeah arms. i was just about to say little t-rex arms <laughs> yeah and i was like oh my god this guy's dead <laughs> I was like, my neighbor's dead. Oh, no. I, well, like, that's a weird place. Like, I thought he was, like, in rigor mortis. Oh, <laughs> was, yeah. Because like, his arms were, like, held up like that. Like, who sleeps like that? And so I go inside, and I grab Jordan and Allie. And I was like... <laughs> Reinforcements. Yeah, I was like, Jordan, the neighbor's outside on his back. Like, I don't know if he's dead or alive. <laughs> And so Jordan tries to go wake him up. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Vixie. <laughs> Vixie's been a Vixie. little shit today and playing with her toys, so I put them all up, and she comes running in with her uh, furball whiskey bottle toy. Yes. <laughs> so we'll let her... So proud of herself. We'll let her play with it for a minute. Yeah. And then well, we can... All right, here we go again. So I went and got Jordan and Allie. And I made them come outside, and I was like, hey, this our neighbor's like, I'm, he's not okay. <laughs> I was like, go try and wake him up. And so Jordan went over there with his flashlight, <laughs> and he goes, hey, neighbor. 
We don't know his name. Oh my god, of course Jordan did. <laughs> it's like, hey neighbor. Hey buddy. Hey. hey. Hey neighbor, you okay? Like flashing the flashlight in his eye. Oh yeah. Boy is not moving. Oh my god. He's not opening his eyes. That's terrifying. Yeah, and like he's breathing, but he's not like moving. And so we were like, what do we do? So we knocked and like rang the doorbell of the house he lives in because there's like a couple people that live there. Yeah. And so we rang and knocked on the doorbell of the neighbor's house. Of course, no one's home. Perfect. And so we're like, what do we do? So we went and tried and like wake him up again. Again, he didn't move, like didn't do, didn't do anything, didn't open his eyes. She just smacked the shit out of him. Like, yeah, like, now I probably would have, but, like, I yeah. didn't, I didn't Whenever you thought like, he was dead, you didn't want to smack. Well, I, I saw like him breathing, guy. so I knew he oh, wasn't okay. dead, but I didn't want, like, if he was that passed out, I didn't want him to, like, wake up and freak out, because it's dark and some strangers in his face. Right. And, um, so we didn't want to, like, get too much in his face. Also, corona season, so. Yeah, six feet. <laughs> yeah, six feet. <laughs> Jordan goes, he goes, do I, like, poke him with a stick? <laughs> I was like, don't poke him. I don't know. Yeah. It just seemed like like you're poking a dead jellyfish on the feet. Yeah, dude's not a dead jellyfish. And so we, I just called 901. I was like, I don't know what else to do. Like, I, I couldn't leave him there on his right. back. Because, like, if he was that intoxicated, I didn't want him to, like, vomit and... Choke and yeah, die. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend in high school that almost oh god went that way, but someone found him like yeah. while he was choking. So it's like moved him on yeah, the side, very yeah. real. And like I also like if you move someone on their side, like you can't just leave them. Yeah, <laughs> like I couldn't just like roll them on his side and be like, well, all right, I'm going it's not in. Like you're taking him into your house, <laughs> right? And <laughs> so I called nine one one and um. I, like, she had me, like, time his breathing, basically, and so, like, it was fine. He was just, like, breathing really heavily, and he must, I don't know, he was, like, kind of snoring a bit, but um, then the 911 operator, she was like, okay, like, take his head, like, your hand under his chin and on his forehead, and, like, move his head, like, straight back a little bit, just to make sure his airway's clear and everything, so I did that, didn't wake up during me moving his head. (laughs) And I could just, like, smell the alcohol on him. And, like, now that I was closer to him, he was just, like, filthy. Like, he was just, like, crawling or rolling around. His hands were, like, all dirty. Having a rough go. I know. And then, so, like, the cops came really quickly. But it was, like, four cop cars. It was the fire truck. It was the EMS. What? Like, they, like, lit our little cove up. (laughs) For one really for one drunk, drunk dude. Wow, I didn't know the fire truck needed to be yeah. called for all that. <laughs> Well, they're like, what do you need? Police, EMS, or fire? I was like, well, not fire. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yeah. I don't need fire. <laughs> yeah, probably police and EMS. Police and EMS, yeah. And, um, and so the cop came, and of course she was like louder, had a super bright flashlight. She did wake him up right pretty quickly. I was like, well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's embarrassing. And <laughs> and so he woke up and like he was all like flustered and he was kind of sassy. He was like, because obviously they had the flashlights in his eyes. He's like, can you like not? 
<laughs> like, oh, you're giving them attitude? Can you not pass out on your front lawn, <laughs> Like, I don't know if you were drunk. I don't know if you, like, overdosed or something. Yeah. Like, you're welcome. <laughs> and so, like, all these cops come, and they're like, where do you live? And he's, like, said his address or whatever. And they're, the cops came over to us, and they're like, does, like, have you seen him? Does he live there? We're like, yeah, he does live there. Like, I don't know his name, <laughs> but I've seen him there. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> Because, like, that house is really strange because I've, they, like, have guys, like, moving in and out of that house. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's mm. a little weird. I don't know what the situation is. I don't really, we don't really talk to them. Yeah. But, um, they did have a pop-up camper in their backyard for a while and someone was, like, staying in their backyard. I don't. Nice. I don't know. Like, I don't. They're just doing whatever over like, there. I don't. Like, it makes me sound like I live in, like. <laughs> A, in a, in a sketchy neighborhood. In a sketchy neighborhood, I don't. I live in like a normal like yeah. neighborhood. Like families are there and stuff. Just so happens you got the weird, weird bunch next yeah. to you. I mean, they're super nice, but yeah, yeah. they just have some interesting habits yeah. that you would only know living next to them, <laughs> right? And then um, after everyone left, Allie said that she like had got went out to get something from her car, and she saw the guy who was back outside laying on top of like a car in his driveway in the driveway smoking a cigarette i was like Let's go inside dude and then he wanted to enjoy the nice outside air right and we're like not sure if he lives in the backyard or not <laughs> because, because then she said that she saw um him come back with a girl and like he brought her to the backyard oh my gosh so i don't know maybe he's living in the tree <laughs> fort in their backyard dang but it's um, an interesting house yeah but this guy also like a couple weeks ago he was sitting in his driveway in his car for like a full hour doing nothing but listening to music and drinking out of a box of trulies <laughs> like what is your like what are you doing do you have a job? Yeah. you have somewhere to be besides then, here? Yeah, and he was like, Jordan was outside, and he goes, hey, man, you want to truly? And Jordan was like, no, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to truly from your, I don't want one of your car trulies. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, that was the first time I've ever called 911, and I never want to do it again because they were like, okay, well, if he vomits, you're going to need to move him on side and clear his throat, which obviously is what you're going to have to do, but like corona like yeah be like i don't want to i don't want to touch i don't want to touch some strange man's barf yeah well but um glad he's okay yeah and hopefully you don't have to do that again i mean next time just like out just like spraying with water or something like yeah next time i'm gonna like you can do that from six feet yeah just like a little sprinkle no 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 i'm just thinking get the hose and like hose the man down like jet jet mode on the hose yeah like that's how i'm gonna wake you up next time so i don't know if he even knows if we're the ones that called the cops on him or not he was probably totally not plastered to remember anything yeah does he even remember the cops were called i don't know i don't talk to him i haven't seen him (laughs) in in since then so Mm. um yeah that was uh interesting yeah well nothing even remotely close to that interesting happened to me this weekend so (laughs) instead i'll just hop right into my story (laughs) sounds great (laughs) because i just did nothing this weekend but that's that's okay um anyways today i am going to talk about dennis nilsson okay 
who is a guy across the pond. He's, um, all this happened in Britain, so... Okay. Um, I wasn't sure which pond you were directing towards. Do they talk about the Atlantic Ocean as a pond? I, I thought know. that was like a British term. Is it? Across the pond. Oh, I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> but anyways, Britain. <laughs> okay. So um, I'll just go right into his early life. I kind of want to save what he was known for to like when we get to it okay. type thing. Because okay. I feel like normally I lead in with yeah. like what they did and then I talk about it. But this time I'm going to talk about yeah. young childhood Dennis. Leave and it then as a we'll, surprise. Yeah. Then we'll get into, you kind of get hints of what, you know. Yeah. He was known for based on some of his traumas and mm. all that. But mm-hmm. yeah. So Dennis Nilsson was born on November 23rd, 1945 in Fraserburg, Scotland. When he was young, his parents divorced and Nilsson, his mother and his siblings went to live with his grandfather. Okay. So young Nilsson adored his grandfather and was traumatized by his unexpected death when he was only six years old. So later, um, Nilsson claimed that the viewing of his grandfather's corpse at his funeral led to his later behavioral psychopathology. Mm. So Mm -hmm. at a very young age, he kind of developed a fascination for the dead. Yeah. So after his grandfather passed, his mother went on to remarry and have four more children, leaving Dennis a withdrawn and lonely child. So she kind of moved on a little bit, and he felt a little isolated. She moved on from her own child. <laughs> yeah, with the with the new kids, yeah. with the new husband. Um, and on top of all this, uh, Nelson was also struggling with his sexual identity. He was aware of his homosexual attractions, but never acted on them and never expressed them to his family. Okay. So he was kind of dealing with that yeah. internally as well. Um, then, at the age of 16, he decided to leave home and enlist in the Army, where he became a cook and served as a butcher in the Army Catering Corps. So, he became very mm-hmm. skilled at butchering, butchering, <laughs> chopping up meat. So, <laughs> just meat. Meat. <laughs> <laughs> so, later, later he would um, come to use those skills. Mm. So, after leaving the army in 1972, he began police training. Kind of seemed like a a logical next step. And it was during this time that he discovered his fascination with the morgue and dead bodies. Okay. So, found himself, like, very interested in going to the morgue and being involved in that part of the job. I feel like... There's definitely, if you're interested in that, because, like, obviously people are, mm-hmm. there's definitely a route you can take to, like, do good with your fascination. <laughs> exactly. Like, you could be yeah. a mortician. Yeah. <laughs> you could do that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Autopsy not, tech. <laughs> yeah. Not this guy. He, um, he actually left the police force um, soon after joining uh he i guess he found himself like he having being raised at a very impressionable part of his life Mm -hmm. basically in the army like from 16 to i forget how old he was but it was at least like 10 years in the army um that was kind of what he was used to and he was kind of 
losing his way a little bit, missing that comradeship that he had in the army. Okay. So he began to heavily drink alone in the evenings Mm. after work. So uh, during the summer and fall of 1973, Nelson frequented gay pubs and began having casual encounters with men and started seeking a meaningful long-term relationship. Mm. So he's finally at the point in his life that he accepted his sexuality and started to, you know, date around in that kind of scene. Uh, But unfortunately, in August of that year, um, after a serious relationship failed, Nelson decided that his professional life was interfering with his personal lifestyle and resigned from the police. Mm. So he kind of blames that for the breakup of that relationship. Yeah. Um, And then he began working as a security guard while searching for more stable employment. And in May 1974, he found work as a civil servant. And he was assigned to work at a job center where he was tasked with finding work for unskilled laborers. And it was his work here that gave him access to many vulnerable young men. So he was, you know, had to build relationships with them and kind of had a bunch of people that were down and out a little bit coming Mm. in. You know, they're unemployed, needing work, that kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, in November 1975, Nilsson encountered 20-year-old David Galachan being threatened outside a pub by two other men. Nilsson decided to intervene and took Galachan back to his flat. Um, That night, the two men spent time together drinking and talking and Nelson learned that Galachan had recently moved to London, was homosexual, unemployed, and resided in a hostel. <laughs> Sorry, not laughing at what you said. I was laughing at Vixie. She just can't um, yeah. sit down, but if it's okay. If you guys okay. hear some click clacking, it's just, just Vixie <laughs> just being antsy. Laying, yeah, walking Wait, around. She's coming back. Is she coming back with a toy that she found? Nope. <laughs> She's just, just coming back. Just wanted to walk away and walk back. What a joy. So then the following morning, the two men agreed to live together. Oh, Which wow. was a big leap, but I guess they just had the best time ever hanging out the night before that they decided to live together. And I fe- it kind of seemed like Nilsson was trying to do Galachan a favor. And yeah. Because Galachan wasn't working, so he didn't really have much right. money. But, yeah, so the following morning, they agreed to live together, and Nilsson went and found them a place on Melrose Avenue. Oh. Uh, Nilsson paid for most of the furnishings around the flat, like, to get everything together, Mm -hmm. and started to view himself as the breadwinner of their quote-unquote relationship. Okay. Because they technically weren't dating. Right. But they did, like, live together, Mm -hmm. and occasionally would hook up yeah but not a real relationship so they lived together pretty contently for the first year but then their their superficial relationship began to strain um, they started sleeping in separate beds and both began to bring home casual sexual partners okay so kind of drifting farther and farther apart yeah. and then by early 1976 um, they began arguing more frequently uh, Nelson recalled an argument in May 1977 where he ordered Galachan to leave the home and soon after Galachan ended their quote-unquote relationship. Mm-hmm. So decided to cut all ties with him. Yeah. 
Um, over the next year and a half, Nilsson attempted to begin relationships with sev- several other young men, but none of these lasted more than a few weeks. So he was kind of broken up about him leaving yeah. and was trying to fill that void. Uh, but then by late 1978, Nilsson was living a very solitary existence. He had experienced many failed relationships and felt that he was unfit to live with. So he started devoting more of his effort to his work and spent most of his evenings consuming large amounts of alcohol as he listened to music. Sad. Yeah, so he's feeling unlovable. Yeah. Feeling like no one would ever want to stay with him or live with him. Yeah. So he's at a pretty low point. Yeah, feeling a little dramatic, but okay. Yeah. He, <laughs> one one failed 20-year-old right. walked out on you and the world's like, over. You guys aren't even officially dating. <laughs> yeah. So he he had some issues, but it seemed like, you know, when he was younger, he didn't really have many friends. So it seems pretty plausible that he would want to like latch on to anybody that he had. Super clingy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seemed like that kind of guy. So, um, yeah, at this point, very low. He wasn't able to maintain a healthy relationship. Um, He was living alone in a large flat. It was big enough for two people, but the other guy moved out. And he spent most of his time drinking his sorrows away. So his first violent act occurred on December 30th, 1978. Nilsson was drinking at a pub where 14-year-old Stephen Holmes unsuccessfully attempted to purchase alcohol. Nilsson had been drinking heavily at his home all day before deciding he wanted to leave his flat and seek company. So he was kind of already under the influence and then kind of out wanting to find someone to spend time with. Right. So Nilsson invited Holmes back to his flat with the promise of the two of them drinking alcohol and listening to music. Nilsson later admitted he believed him to be closer to 17 years old. Okay. So, yeah, I guess I had to remember that, you know, legal drinking age over there is 18. So that would be, like, pretty close to the legal age. But in reality, he was only 14 years old. Oh. So, yeah, when they got back to Nilsson's home, they both drank heavily before falling asleep. Uh, Nilsson awoke to find Holmes asleep on his bed, afraid that he would wake him um, and afraid that he would leave. Nilsson decided Holmes was to, quote, stay with me over New Year, whether he wanted to or not, and proceeded to strangle him to unconsciousness with a necktie. So he was so desperate to keep... The, keep him there in yeah. the apartment that he decided that killing him was the only way. Uh-huh. So you're just going to keep a decomposing body with you because you're that lonely. Better than nothing to this guy, <laughs> apparently. Uh, okay. So um, he then took the teen to his bathroom where he drowned him in a bucket f- filled with water. That was the official cause of death. Mm-hmm. Um, Nilsson then washed the dead body. Gave, gave him a bath As before, you do. Yeah, before placing him on his bed and caressing his body. Gross. Nelson then proceeded to please himself mm-hmm. twice over the body. <laughs> so, fascination with the dead. Yeah. And combination of loneliness. Sky did some messed up stuff. Yeah. Some necrophilia vibes. Definitely, Yeah. <laughs> So, 
that's going to be a trend throughout all these. And I don't feel like saying that again. So yeah. just just tack that on to anything else that I say from now gotcha. on. Because I don't feel like <laughs> I don't want to say it again. <laughs> so um, anyways, he then waited for rigor mortis to pass before stowing the body of this poor boy underneath his floorboards. Uh, the body remained there for almost eight months before Nelson <laughs> built a bonfire in the garden behind his flat and burned the body on August 11th, 1979. Well, after eight months under the floorboards, wouldn't you think it would be just like goo? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh I have God. no idea. I don't know if he like, um, in some of the other ones, he would like take the body out and I don't like, know if he like tried to preserve anything. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that was, huh. they met on December 30th, so right around New Year's, yeah. and the body stayed there until the beginning of August. Gross. Ooh, and it got warm, too. Yeah, imagine. the whole summer. <laughs> Ooh, his apartment must have stank. Yeah. So, his uh, next attempt at murder was, fortunately for this guy, was just an attempt. Um, two months after burning the body of his first victim... Um, on October 11th, 1979, Nelson tried to kill again. This time, his target was Andrew Ho, who was an exchange student from Hong Kong, whom he had met at a pub and lured back to his apartment. Nelson attempted to strangle Ho, but he managed to get away and report the incident to the police. Uh, Nelson was questioned, but um, the guy decided not to press charges against him, so Nelson remained free, mm. which... I can only guess at the reason why he decided not to press charges, yeah. but maybe he was also struggling with his sexuality and didn't want that sort of attention yeah. brought to it. So it's very unfortunate that, you know, he, he could have, you know, potentially been caught at this right. time, but um, charges were never pressed, so he continued to go free. And then just another two months passed, and on December 3rd, 1979, Nelson met 23-year-old Canadian student Kenneth Ockenden at a pub. Uh, after learning he was a tourist, Nelson offered to show him some sights, and later they decided to purchase more alcohol and continue drinking and listening to music at Nelson's flat. Uh, while they were listening to music, Nelson said he recalled using the cord of the headphones that Ockenden was wearing to strangle him. Mm. After killing Ockenden, Ockenden, Nelson poured himself another drink and sat next to the body and continued listening to music on the headphones he used to kill him. Gross. In the days that followed, Nelson positioned the body around his apartment and took pictures using a Polaroid camera. He then stowed the body beneath the floorboards as he had done before. Mm. And then he said over the next two weeks, Nelson retrieved the body from beneath his floorboards on four separate occasions and seated the, body, seated the body on the armchair next to him as he watched television and drank alcohol. Man. So he really was extremely lonely if he yeah. would use his victim's bodies for a little bit of company. I had to, I just Googled a picture of him because I had to see what he looked like. Yeah. Oh man, he is just creepy looking. He just looks very like... Like, his face looks very gaunt. Yeah. I would say. Like, like he's he, just like his a little string bean dude. Yeah. Like, his chin is very, I don't know, not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there's um, there's actually a show being made about him, and oh, the really? actor looks just like him. It's oh, crazy. Wow. Yeah, I think there's a picture of the actor next mm-hmm. to him. They do look very similar, but like this guy's, his he got some dead eyes. Yeah. He's got some dead looking eyes. Yeah. I don't know how he convinced this many people to come back and hang out with him. <laughs> right. Honestly, but you know. So, yeah. That was his second victim. Um, Victim number three was on May 17th of 1980. So, waited another few months. And this victim was 16-year-old Martin Duffy, who had hitchhiked to London without his parents' knowledge. For four days after arriving, Duffy had slept outside of the railway station where Nilsson encountered him when he was returning from a conference in Southport. Mm. So Nilsson, seeing that Duffy was tired and hungry, he offered him a meal and a place to sleep for the night. And then after Duffy had fallen asleep on Nilsson's bed, Nilsson fastened a ligature around his neck and strangled him to unconsciousness. He then dragged Duffy to the kitchen and drowned him in the sink. So... Then, in his normal pattern, he bathed the body and placed it around his house in different positions. Nilsson said he would then compliment and kiss the body. Nope. While. <laughs> so, yeah, it's starting Just to. A decomposing. Yeah. Glooping body. <laughs> I just. Oh. I just can't. Right. I just can't imagine. Because, like. Decomposition happens pretty quickly after mm-hmm. the body dies, and then, like, the fat and skin, like, goops off. Yeah, this guy <laughs> must super lonely. Like, his apartment must have been just beyond nasty. Yeah. And the floorboards. The, the. Mm. So, for two days after his death, um, he stored Duffy's body in the cupboard until the body began to bloat and Nelson then stored it under the floorboards. Gross. Yeah. And it stayed there for a while too. Um following Duffy's murder, Nelson began to kill with increasing frequency. So he was kind of getting quote unquote good at it. Yeah. You know, hadn't been caught for this long. Right. And before the end of nineteen eighty, so he killed um Martin Duffy in May. By the end of the year, he had killed five more victims and attempted to murder one other. Only one of these victims had ever been identified, and that was 26-year-old David Sutherland. So, Nilsson's recollections of these victims are very vague. He didn't remember the names of all of them, Mm -hmm. but he vividly remembered how each of them was killed. Okay. So... Unsurprisingly, uh, the bodies of the victims that Nilsson had begun to accumulate in his flat started attracting insects and created a foul odor. Shocker. (laughs) So um, Nilsson recalled that the bodies were infested with maggots and in an attempt to control it, that the the bugs and the smell Uh said he sprayed deodorants in his flat and insecticides twice daily, but it had no effect. Uh. So there were maggots there were flies everywhere in his apartment um so late 1980 
Nilsson removed the bodies of each victim he had killed since December 1979 and burned them upon a bonfire he had built behind his flat. How does no, like, you don't put a body in a bonfire without it also smelling like a dead body, a yeah, burning body. Like, how did nobody, did nobody notice the smell? No one, he disguised it. I guess it worked pretty well, but he put an old tire on the fire to mask the smell oh. of human. So people just thought that it was the tire burning yeah. and that's what they were smelling. Um it was said at this bonfire that there were children in the neighborhood that came and watched the fire as well. God. Which is another level of messed up. Roasting some marshmallows. Yeah. Gross. So that was really unfortunate. So that was the end of 1980. Mm-hmm. Uh, while he was still living at his Melrose Avenue apartment, he killed three more victims. The last one being 23-year-old Malcolm Barlow whom Nelson discovered slumped against a wall outside of his home on September 17th, 1981. He strangled this victim as well and stowed him again beneath the floorboards. Mm -hmm. So soon after this happened, Nelson's landlord wanted to renovate the flat and asked him to vacate. So it caused a little bit of trouble for him. So his landlord offered him a thousand pounds to vacate, and so he said sure. Right. And he decided to have one last bonfire before he left. So the day before he uh-huh. left, he did another bonfire for the five five victims he had stowed and dissected. So not at this point, not only is he storing the bodies, but he's also dissecting them. So yeah. using his butchered knowledge right. and you know. I guess making it easier to dispose of them as well. Yeah. So at this point, he moved from his apartment on Melrose Avenue to 23 Cranley Gardens. Okay. Um, His new flat was an attic unit and had no access to a garden. Mm -hmm. So he kind of had to change up his, I guess... Way of getting rid of the bodies. Right, yeah. Yeah. And also his storage Uh, as well. Because being up in the attic, right? You know, someone's you're someone's ceiling. Yeah. So the goo can drip down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this kind of forced him to become dormant for a little while. Yeah. Uh, for two months after moving into this new apartment, any men he lured to his flat were not assaulted in any manner. Although he did attempt to strangle a 19-year-old student, Paul Knobs, in November 1981, but he stopped himself. Oh, okay. So. The restraint. Yes, such restraint. Um, His killing began again in March 1982 when he met 23-year-old John Howlett while drinking in a pub. He invited Howlett back to his home where he fell asleep watching a film. Nilsson then decided to kill Howlett and began trying to strangle him, but Howlett fought back and almost overpowered Nilsson. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, Nilsson eventually strangled him into unconsciousness and then decided to drown him in his bathtub. Oh, no. So it seems like a pattern with this guy. Like, he's barely strong enough to, like, knock them unconscious, right. but then, ha- like, not strong enough to completely kill them, so he resorts to drowning. Yeah. Just kind of, like, to me, signifies a really cowardly guy. Mm-hmm. Um, for a week after this murder... Nelson's neck showed marks 
of his victim's hands where he attempted to strangle him. Oh, okay. So they kind of um, looked back around this time, and it was around this time that he asked off work. Mm -hmm. So probably to cover up and recover from what had happened. So that was March 1982. Um, Then in May... Nilsson met Carl Stodder, a 21-year-old, while drinking at a bar. They began talking, and Nilsson found out Stodder was depressed following the end of a failed relationship. So, Nilsson invited Stodder back to his flat, assuring his guests he had no intention of sexual activity. Mm-hmm. Trying to be a nice guy. But um, Stodder then fell asleep while lying on an open sleeping bag and awoke to Nilsson strangling him with the sleeping bag. So he like zipped it up around his neck and that's what he was using to strangle him. So um, that knocked Stoddard unconscious again and believing that he had been killed, Nilsson took the body and seated him in an armchair, but then realized because his dog kept licking Stoddard's face, Mm -hmm. he realized that he must still be alive. Okay. So he decided to move the body back to his bed, and when Stoddard regained consciousness, he said that he had become caught in the sleeping bag, and Nilsson was actually trying to save him when he woke up. <laughs> I feel like that's not how sleeping bags works. Yeah. Or, but okay. Not, the zipper doesn't just zip around your entire body. Right, you don't just get, like, get caught. Yeah, so um, he regained consciousness, and after he recovered from, you know, the shock of that whole ordeal, Nilsson walked him to a station and basically sent him on his way. Wow. So, very fortunately for Carl Stodder, he yeah, survived, survived the encounter and was able to testify against him later. Okay. So, that's how we know about, like, what happened to him. Yeah. Um, soon after, Nilsson then killed another victim... 27-year-old Graham Allen in June 1982 and took three days to dissect the body. Yikes. So then his final victim was killed on January 26, 1983. It was 20-year-old Stephen Sinclair who was last seen walking to a train station with Nilsson by some of his acquaintances. Nilsson took Sinclair to his flat where Sinclair passed out after ingesting high amounts of alcohol and other illicit drugs so they went on a big party craze and sinclair passed out Um, he then strangled sinclair and cleaned and positioned his body he spent some time with the corpse before dissecting it like the others okay so now that he was in this new apartment he kind of took the body into different pieces instead of storing the entire body once he was done hanging out with them. Yeah, very disturbing. Um, So because he had to change his MO a little bit, Mm -hmm. this is actually what led to his discovery. Oh, okay. So Nelson actually filed a complaint letter with his landlords, complaining that the drains were blocked and the living conditions were intolerable for the tenants. So (laughs) on February 8th, 1983... A Dino Rod employee, Michael Catran, was responding to the plumbing complaints made by Nilsson mm-hmm. and the other tenants. He opened the drain on the side of the house to discover that it was blocked by what looked like human flesh and other tiny bones. Oh. 
Upon hearing Catran exclaim how similar the substance was in appearance to human flesh, Nilsson replied, quote, It looks to me like someone has been flushing their Kentucky Fried Chicken. Gross. So he kind of realized he was screwed. Yeah. And was trying to downplay a little bit. Right. But thankfully, the remains were taken to the police and found to be human flesh and bone. Um, The pathologist told police he had concluded that one piece of flesh was from a human neck and had signs of ligature marks on it. Okay. So the the part that he decided to flush down the drain led them to realize like this was human flesh it was foul play yeah so police officers were dispatched to nelson's flat where they encountered the smell of rotting flesh Mm. um so at this point he just kind of accepts his fate a little bit yeah and when they asked him questions he told them where the remaining body parts were and he was officially arrested and taken to the station on February 9th, 1983. Then, upon his arrest, Nilsson provided exhaustive details of his killing spree to police, admitting to killing 15 young men. Wow. He also admitted to attempting to murder seven others, although he could only name four. So... He cared so little, he didn't even remember the name of some of his victims. Um, It was said that at no point did he show any remorse and appeared eager to assist police in amassing evidence against him. So he was very cooperative and just kind of seemed like he wanted to be caught and wanted to get his story out there. Um, Because after his confession, he was held in prison pending trial and... There, he filled over 50 notebooks of his memories to assist the prosecution. Yeah, that like he just wants to be recognized. Yeah. Which is what a lot of serial killers, mm-hmm. people want to do. They want, they want the recognition. They're yeah. They're proud of what they did. Yeah, so he confessed and, you know, it still went to trial. Mm-hmm. And in the end, Nelson was charged with six counts of murder and two charges of attempted murder. Um for some reason he pled not guilty to all charges citing <sighs> diminished responsibility due to mental defect i mean obviously you have a mental defect if you are killing <laughs> yeah. like doing what you did but like you you can still be competent <laughs> yeah it's also crazy that he like gave them all this evidence and yeah. then pled not guilty but i guess he was just trying to save his own ass yeah um but yeah so the physical evidence of the crimes since a lot of the bodies were long gone at Mm -hmm. this point um physical evidence included photographs of the murder scenes as well as the chopping board he used to dissect the victims and the cooking pot used to boil the skulls feet and hands oh so what did he do with them he just he just boiled them. He, just... he never he never ate any of the human flesh or anything. Yeah. But I don't know why he would do that. So did it just like get everything off the bones basically? If he boiled it, I'm not sure. I saw a picture <laughs> of what looked like it was like a human head coming out of yeah. a pot, and it didn't. It just kind of looked like a boiled head, saggy. 
sat like sagging yeah. skin. Like where where were you going with this? I don't know. Maybe he was trying to get rid of the smell because Maybe. there's just some bad smells going on. Yeah. Um, but this cooking pot that he used is actually now on display at the Black Museum at Scotland Yard, if mm. anyone's interested in going to see that. Um, so the jury, at the end of the trial, they retired on November 3rd, 1983, but were unable to reach a unanimous verdict. How? <laughs> How? I guess there was someone that was unsure of his mental state, even though there were psychologists there saying that he was yeah. competent. Oh my gosh, that person's the worst. <laughs> but um, the judge agreed to accept a majority verdict and oh they delivered a verdict of guilty on all six counts of murder. Yeah. So then the judge sentenced Dennis Nilsson to life in prison without eligibility for parole for at least 25 years. And... Then Nilsson died in prison in 2018. How did he die? Um, it was said that he was in a lot of pain when he died. Mm-hmm, he good. had um, he died from internal bleeding. Nice. I think it said appendix ruptured or something oh, like okay. that. So very very, very painful, painful death. Karma, yeah. man. <laughs> they yeah. It was said he was found in a pile of his own feces. I mean, as well. You, so get he, what, you get what you serve, man. <laughs> yeah, so he suffered for a long time, and that, that's how he's found. Okay. So now there's no longer yeah. Dennis Nelson in the world. I always like knowing that like these terrible people, like they always seem to die like of some sort of terrible disease or like a painful like death. Like cancer? Or, yeah. yeah. The appendix, that sounds rough. Yeah. So, uh, Good. So that that's the story of Dennis Nelson. Wow. Man, I just I just cannot fathom how bad his apartment would smell like. <laughs> I'm just gonna put this body in my cupboard until it bloats, and then let me just put it in the floorboards. Yeah, like that doesn't. Oh my God. That, that does, if you can pull up the floorboards, the smell can get through. There, it doesn't get rid sure. of the smell. So somehow he got away with it for a long time, and yeah, but wow, all that evidence he gave out it. Came back and he went to prison, so. Wild. Yeah. So, shout out to our friend David, who gave me the idea for this story. Yes. Hello, David. Thanks. Thanks for listening. You rock. I um, hope school's treating you well. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed that one. There was a couple Davids in there. One yeah. of them was his roommate, and one of them, unfortunately, was killed, so. Didn't didn't turn out well for David's in right. the story. I'm wondering, did he just like Google crimes with David? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> That's funny. Well, uh, next week is it just my turn or is it a month anniversary? What is that? It's 20- your turn. Okay, so it's just yeah. my turn. Okay, so I will bring you guys a story next week. Don't know what it's gonna be, but if you guys have any suggestions, feel free to uh, let us know. Yep. DM um, us on Instagram. Yes. Rate us on Instagram. Or er, <laughs> rate us on Apple Podcasts. I like I couldn't think of the word Apple Podcast <laughs> or like Apple or whatever. iTunes. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. I couldn't think of the word and I was just like continued talking instead of just like pausing. <laughs> <laughs> so rate rate us on um Apple. And um yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, hope you guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye! Bye!